All right, welcome to Down by the Bank, sponsored by Brewers Pizza, Orange Park and Clay County's only brew pub. This is Corey. Hey guys, what's up? It's Derek. Today we're joined by Aaron Schatz, creator of and editor-in-chief of FootballOutsiders.com, as well as the lead writer, editor, and statistician of the Football Outsiders Almanac, of which the 2018 issue is now available to purchase in book or PDF form. I do own the PDF version, so I'll throw that out there. And he's also on ESPN.com as an insider NFL analyst. Aaron, welcome back again to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me back, guys. Sure, yeah, absolutely. We're excited about it. I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule because I know uh, this time of the year, I'm sure, is super hectic for you. So we appreciate that. We've had you on before and we'll link it in the podcast description uh, to give the listeners a little bit more background info on Football Outsiders because we're not going to have you on again to explain DVOA or anything like that because I'm sure you're sick of doing that on every interview that you're on. But uh, it was a great interview the first time and you know we certainly learned a lot, including your history as a DJ and MC, which was super unexpected and, and pretty interesting. So we appreciate that backstory. Yeah, you know, it's part of the job. I'm used to explaining my stats over and over again. Talking about my Daytona Beach days is you know, something I do less often, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, well, it was cool. It was interesting for sure. I felt like we got a little behind the scenes glance there. So that was pretty neat. One thing that I want to point out last time you were on, uh, you were immediately featured and interviewed on Late Night with Seth Meyers, uh, which we'll put the I think it was on YouTube. Um, when I was uh, glancing back at it, we'll put a link to that in the podcast description. Uh, question for you. Do you attribute that flashy appearance to your own personal fame with Football Outsiders or the tremendous fame achieved through your last appearance on this very podcast? My guess is that I actually, my guess is I have Bill Simmons to thank for that because my guess is that it's through Bill Simmons that Seth Myers became a fan of mine. Oh. So Seth actually is one of my Twitter followers. He's a Football Outsiders reader. Yeah. So um, I reached out to him uh, knowing that he had had on Jonah Carey, who's a similar writer who does baseball. And, and so I reached out to him saying, are you interested in having me on? And he said it was too late for that year, but he said, give us, give us a, a buzz next year. And I did, and that's how we made it happen. Unfortunately, by the time I contacted them this year, uh, they were already all booked up through September. So I'm not doing late night this year, but I'm hoping to do it again next year. Yeah. And I mean, how was that? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've been asked this a hundred times too, but like, how would you describe that experience? Cause I'm sure it's kind of surreal. Oh yeah. It's what a trip. I mean, it's, it's uh, a fabulous opportunity for promotion certainly, but also, you know, to be on this show that you watch all the time, I've watched back, you know, since back in the Letterman days to be in the green room, uh, to meet, you know, people who are on TV to you get all made up and then you go out and there's a studio audience and it's a trip. Let me tell you, man, it, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and I really hope to get to do it again sometime. Did you guys see any kind of uptick on, uh, subscribers or purchases or maybe just people kind of, you know, searching you on Google or anything like that? Uh, I don't know about searching on Google. It's kind of a shock. We did not see an immediate uptick in sales the next day. I think probably because Seth Meyers is probably a show a lot of people DVR. My guess is that we saw the increase in sales over the course of a week or a week and a half rather than just a one-day thing. Aaron, uh, you know, the Jags fans are really excited around here. Um, everywhere we read or look, you know, to people are you know really high on us. But uh, Football Outsiders took a little bit of a different approach. Being surprisingly down that you guys, you know, that you're surprisingly down on the Jags uh, compared to conventional wisdom, like... Dive into a little bit about your total assessment of the entire team and uh, what made you uh, come up with your decision. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised when our projections came out the way they did for Jacksonville. When you go deep into it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, for those who don't know, we have them projected 
uh, an average simulation, they only have 7.7 wins. It actually puts them in last place in the AFC South, although the AFC South is the closest and most interesting division in the NFL, and the Jaguars are nowhere near the bottom of the league. We're not, we're not saying they're that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, let me, uh, let me acknowledge a reason why they would be better this year which is that they underperformed their actual points scored and allowed last year. Usually when you have a team that wins fewer games than you would expect from points scored and allowed, especially a team that has a winning record, uh, usually a team like that, you're going to see an improvement the next year. So it is a bit of a surprise that we don't, but there's a number of reasons why. There's just a lot of reasons to believe that the defense of this team is not going to be at the top of the league again because of certain trends, not because of the talent. Look, I know how much talent there is on this defense. Sure. But certain trends as far as defenses, defenses are harder to predict, and they're more variable than offenses, and there's a few things going on with Jacksonville. Okay, the first is that pass defense is less consistent than run defense. Because in some ways, the passing game is more dictated by the opponent, by the offense, than the running game is because of the importance of the quarterback, right? So if mm-hmm. you go back and you look at teams like Jacksonville, Jacksonville was a top five overall defense in our ratings, but they were 26th against the run. So that's the worst ever for a defense that was in the top five overall. If you go back and you look at top five defenses that were 15th and lower in run defense, the next year they averaged ranked was 11th. Okay, so they Mm -hmm. fell a few places because run defense is more consistent than pass defense. Also, the Jaguars defense was unbelievably healthy last year. They lost three games from starters, and one of them was only because they held Avery Jones out of the season finale because it was meaningless. And I'll admit that's unheard of. That's unheard of. Very unlikely they're going to be that healthy again. And they're very unlikely to get turnovers at the same rate. 16.2% of drives against the Jacksonville defense ended in a turnover. That was the third highest rate between, uh, behind Baltimore and Detroit. And over the past decade, defenses that ranked in the top three in turnovers per drive averaged 12th the following year. So it, 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 turnover rate is something that regresses to the mean more than yardage allowed, more than just pass coverage, more than just you know, pass rush. Although even there, you know, they, they were so heavily dependent on sacks, that's likely to regress towards the mean a little bit. So there's just all of these ways in which they're likely to regress towards the mean on defense and be a good, not great defense. And the problem is the offense was so built around the great defense and getting out to quick starts. What happens when they no longer control the game script and can no longer completely lean on Fournette? Jacksonville's offense last year, number one in the first quarter, 21st the rest of the game. What happens if they're not number one in the first quarter? And that's something that does not tend to carry over from year to year. If they're not number one in the first quarter, then suddenly they're depending so much more on Blake Bortles as the game goes on and less on Fournette. And that is not seem to be a successful recipe for this offense. No, that's not a good thing at all. You, you know, I, I read over the entire uh, uh, football almanac that's out for this year. For, for listeners, please, you know, review it. It had some really good stuff on there. Um, it, 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 you definitely you, you talked about those points the, the the injuries I definitely am I'm like wow yeah he's right that's that's unheard of two years in a row it's not going to happen but the one thing I look at it is you know people and fans could say that you know well when we got you know uh, Darius things changed and um, as far as the run defense but 
We also got a little bit deeper uh, on our on our roster, so that should help us against better opponents. You know, they've definitely addressed that, knowing that we're going to have some better opponents. Um, I, I think that if if you in, address those things and, and, and you and you get deeper, and then really it's going to be up to whether Blake can play or regress. So uh, I, I like your points, I really do, and I just I just hope that those things don't happen, but you, you make really good, strong arguments. Excuse me. My phone is ringing. I'll turn off the ring. No, you're good. <laughs> I'm very popular. What? Can you tell? Oh, yeah. uh, by the way, you're, you're right about the run defense improving, right? They were 31st for the first nine weeks of the season. They were 13th after that. Mm-hmm. So yes, the run defense did improve in the second half of the season. Now there, this sounds crazy, right? It goes against common sense. But there's no indication that improvements in the second half of the season carry over to the next year. I know that sounds crazy. It doesn't seem to make common sense. But it is generally what we've found. And that's why we look at the overall defense's numbers rather than first half or second half. But yes, obviously that improvement in the second half is in part tied to a specific player arriving. And that player is still there. So that's a positive thing. Um, the thing is, even here's the thing is, is e- even if we're wrong about the defense and the defense is still very good, it's still not likely to be number one. It's probably like number five. If the offense takes a step back, they're not as good as last year. Gotcha. Well, and one of the things that uh, Derek hit on there briefly, and, and it's kind of one of the surprising tidbits I read while checking out the Jag section, uh, was your guys' view on Blake Bortles. I mean, it's not super surprising. Um, being that, you know, you kind of, uh, were down on him a little bit last time we interviewed you as well. Um, and you gave valid reasons, of course, but you know, most of the Jacks fans and even the media were impressed national and local with him last year. He got a lot of respect from his teammates, uh, did, you know, fairly well in the playoffs. Um, but you guys went as far as to say in this year's almanac that he's a draft bust five years into his career. So just kind of curious if, um, you could kind of dive in a little bit about, uh, your view on Blake at this point. Well, given that he's been a below average quarterback for the first four years, you know, for, sorry, for the first three years of his career, uh, and he was the number three overall pick. Yeah, that's a draft bust. <laughs> I'm sorry. What he was last year, he was average last year, and I'm going to give him all the credit in the world for being average last year. The question is, can he do that again? We're trying to go past just the top line number here and look at the way that the offense was structured in his favor. Can he do that again if the offense is not structured as much in his favor because they're not as far ahead after the first quarter, because the defense isn't quite as good, because they can't depend quite as much on Fournette? If he can, if he's average again, then I will absolutely give him credit for that. We will absolutely give him credit for that. But the fact is that before last year, he was a below-average starting quarterback. Do you think that uh, there's a little bit of, uh, well, first of all, I guess we have a little bit of recency bias just in that we're still pumped about how the season ended last year versus how we thought it would be, which was not that good. Um, but do you think when when a guy like Blake in his position, you know, quarterback, it's the star position, that even when they uh, outperform expectations even a little bit, that sometimes it gets a little bit overblown? Yeah, well, because everybody made fun of him for three years. You expected him to be so bad that you're like, Oh my God, Blake Bortles is not so bad. He's average. Yay. I, I think there's a little bit of an element of that, especially in the, in, among the fan base. I feel bad. Like I'm, I'm not trying to tear the team down. Part of me hopes we're really wrong for Tony Khan's sake. Right. I'd love to see the Jaguars do well, but. Oh, right, right. Um, but it's just not, it's just, 
it's just not where our numbers are pointing. Yeah, and, and you know the, the biggest thing too, just to pick on the uh, Bortles topic really quick, I think he can be very successful if he just cuts down on two stats: interceptions and uh, fumbles. If he can l- drop that number down, I know we're in the fifth year. I, I know we're in the fifth year, Aaron. But also, I look at it from a fact of he's actually got consistent coaches around him, consistent coaches that are in his head. Here's the thing. Is that how you feel about Ryan Tannehill? Oh, no. I hate Ryan Tannehill. Just, just my thoughts. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill is the sa- in the same place, except Ryan, Ta- you know, except Ryan Tannehill had a – Ryan Tannehill had his good season earlier in his career, right? Ryan yeah. Tannehill's good season was like 2014, but there's a sort of like a, you know, after a few years, a guy is who he is. Bortles is who he is. The best he can be is probably what he was last year. Now, if he is that again, if he is that again, and the defense doesn't take a step back, of course they'll be as good as they were last year. I mean, but I just don't think he's going to be that again, and I think the defense is going to take a step back. Now, I don't think he's going to throw for 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns, but I do hope that he can throw one to two or even three less interceptions. That's just all. That's all well, I'm you saying. don't want him throwing for 4,000 yards. Yeah, if he throws no. for 4,000 yards, then your offense didn't work the way it's supposed to work because it's designed <laughs> for him to not do that. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's why I just, you know, I'm just looking at the, the turnover aspect. Of of the st- of his stats, he was down to thirteen interceptions last year, and he only had sixteen adjusted interceptions. Where we look at a, a, you know interceptions that are dropped by the defense, and we we subtract interceptions that are the fault of the receivers. So he he has both his interceptions and his adjusted interceptions have dropped. There's no indication that you know he somehow lucked his way into only thirteen interceptions last year. Sure, so that's a sure, good thing. Sure. On sure. the other hand. His interceptions dropped in part because his attempts dropped by 100. So his interception rate wasn't really any lower than it was previously. Okay, yeah. That, no, and that's, that's, a, that's a factual statement. At, you know, what, 100, 100 less attempts, less interceptions. You know, it just, you know, uh, you know give us the fans some, some – uh, give us some hope, Aaron. Give us some hope that he can throw a couple less interceptions. I mean, I'm I'm happy to say happy things about the Jaguars. You're just probably not going to hear me say them about Bortles. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, fair, fair enough. Uh, fair, absolutely. If anything, if anything, you guys have been super consistent on him. Yeah. So I, I got to give you that. You, you guys, the thing about them, they don't get caught up in the hype. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, we weren't hot on him coming out of college either. Yeah. Right. 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 So, really quick, Aaron, from from an uh, analytics uh, perspective. Uh, are there any bright spots on the team that you think can stand out this season, whether it's the, the entire team or a couple specific players? Well, let's start with Bouye and Ramsey because they're amazing, right? Uh, se- the secondary charting numbers that we do tend to be very inconsistent from year to year. But Bouye and Ramsey have both been very good for two straight years now. Bouye, of course, in, in Houston the year before. Ramsey was number one in the league in adjusted yards allowed per pass. He was awesome. Bouye was slightly less awesome. He was like 12th. But both of those guys, those guys are tremendous. Jacksonville was number one in the league against number one receivers. Uh, Jacksonville was number one in pass defense on plays with no pass pressure. So even when Saxonville wasn't getting home, that secondary was so good that they were the number one defense in the league. So if anything is going to keep them from declining on defense, it's the talent that they have, especially at cornerback. Those two guys are phenomenal. And the front seven, look, the front seven is still really good. The pass rush is still really good. There's nobody who stands out as like they had a lot of hurries 
and not a lot of sacks, and therefore we should expect more sacks this year. But there's also nobody who stands out as they had a lot of sacks but very few hurries, and therefore we should accept, expect fewer sacks this year. They, they, all that pass pressure was real. They didn't like get more sacks than you would expect otherwise because they happened to just make it that final little bit to the quarterback more than you would expect. So the pass rush is for real. And, you know, it may regress a little bit, but it's for real. And those second, the secondary is, is fantastic, especially the two cornerbacks. So, I mean, you know, I, I wonder about the linebackers. Um, you know, are, are, can they be as good? Uh, I wonder a little bit about, you know, the run defense. Can teams take advantage of that? If, if the Jacksonville offense can't get out to those big first quarter leads, will opponents be able to take advantage of the run of the bad run defense more because opponents will have a lead more, you know, what's, what's, what's the, the, the number something like uh, last year, uh, the Jaguars were 10 and two when they scored first and two and five when they allowed the first score. That's right. Yep. I mean, game script really mattered heavily to them. We appreciate it, Aaron. I mean, you guys definitely take a, an honest and, and, and at least from the Jaguars uh, perspective, just a, a different approach to the team and, and analyzing the team. And I think it would benefit the fans quite a bit to pick up the almanac, either the PDF or the paperback copy, read through there, not even just for the Jags, but I mean, just the whole league as a reference. I mean, I learn so much every year just from reading your guys' stuff, and I've been reading it for years. Thank you. Thank you. You'll learn a lot about the Texans, the Colts, and the Titans. It really is the most interesting division in the league. We went through years where the AFC South was, oh, yeah, well, I guess somebody will stumble to winning the stupid division. Those teams are all terrible. But that's not the case anymore. If Luck is back healthy and Watson is back healthy, Tennessee should actually be a little improved this year. We're expecting a little bit of a rebound from Mariota. We like the coaching change. Uh, Even if Jacksonville does decline in the ways we're thinking about, it's not like they become a bad team. I mean, that's a really good, intense, closely matched division of interesting teams. The AFC South is the most interesting division in the game for this season. Now, Aaron, you know we we got pools a couple seasons ago that they just put a dog park in this offseason. Does that change any of your projections at all? (laughs) (laughs) Always doing interesting things with the stadium. I don't think it changes my projection, but it might change what I would want to do if I come down to Jacksonville. (laughs) (laughs) All right, good, good. Just checking. I didn't know if that was a a factor that you consider, but... uh, but yeah, you can follow, um, you know, of course, Aaron on footballoutsiders.com is the first place to go to. We'll put that link in there um, as well as on Twitter. Great follow on Twitter at FO underscore uh, a shots. And we'll put that in there as well. But again, we just strongly encourage everyone to pick up a copy of the Almanac this year. He referenced Tony Khan. We have that great picture from last year that we love from the Times Union where he's got those tattered copies up there at the stadium. Um, just great information, great insight to each team from a different perspective. Best of all, the PDF version is only 20 bucks. And I mean, if you love paper and you hate trees, I'm sorry, uh, you can grab the paper version on Amazon for $29. <laughs> Granted, they're already printed, so you're not killing trees. They're already printed ahead of time. So that's okay, I guess. Um, so I usually get both and have honestly collected the paper edition for years, like I said. So really great stuff. Aaron, we know you're super busy and uh, we really, really appreciate you taking the time to, to join us and just chat a little bit about the team. All right. Thanks for having me on, guys.